Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. And you smirked in the middle of my, my intro, and it almost threw me off. <laughs> I did. So, as we were discussing before I started recording, I have like a, I have an internet technician yeah. here present at my house, and uh, I am the least handy person in the world, but okay. <laughs> it appears that he needs access to literally every corner of my home in order to install internet. So, while you were talking, I just heard an ominous, like, thumping noise from <laughs> a, a direction I... I don't know why he would be like over in that part of the house. It's like, but I'm sure it's important. So yeah, there's a good chance he's going to like a drill bit is just going to come through the wall, <laughs> yeah. right, right at your head, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the line yes. will start coming through. Yes, uh, yeah. This is a uh, so we have had some like basement flooding issues in our house. Yes, um, I'm so sorry to hear no, that. It's 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 all progressing just fine. So there's a big thing, and I don't think I told you. Uh, before we before we got on here is uh so yesterday we were downstairs and we saw like i was just like looking around the basement and every plumber that we've had out has said there's supposed to be this like this thing called the drain tile clean out basically just like a pipe that comes out of the floor that has a cap on it and every single one of them says you don't have one i don't know where it's where it is it should be around this area though like sorry you know you're out of luck this is going to cost you many thousands of dollars more like that so yesterday we're down in the basement and i see this just like i see this like thing sticking up by the concrete that like looks like too curved to be a rock necessarily (laughs) and so is it like the bone of an ancient creature (laughs) right yes this is exactly what i'm thinking like what is what is this weird thing? And it's like, it's sort of right in the spot where everybody's saying like, Hey, there should be a pipe here. Right. Like, so, so I go and I investigate. And I'm like that, that almost looks metallic. Like I need to see what's going on. So we get a, we get a chisel out right from, from deep in the, you know, deep in the garage and start like, you know, chipping away at it. I'm like, sure enough, it is like a pipe. So my wife and I are down there um, on, on Saturday, just like, you know, with a chisel and a hammer, you know, busting up concrete down in, <laughs> down in our basement <laughs> And like I have to say, like as a homeowner, there's there's not a lot that's like exciting about like DIY projects, but like this was exciting. <laughs> oh, that's that yeah. sounds amazing. So we have uncovered this thing, and it's like you know, um, I I have just vastly underestimated like how enjoyable like digging in rock, <laughs> like, digging in rock <laughs> yeah. is, especially when you're finding something in there. Um, so I mean, I guess I'm going to take that into my next game session when someone's like, oh, we're going to like you know dig into that wall to see if there's gold, <laughs> yeah. gold in there. It's like, oh, I know exactly exactly what this feeling is now. <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, is it fair to say that the words you just spoke to me, like, could be lifted verbatim from, like, the dwarves right before they uh, yes. uncovered the bog? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, if you're a homeowner, uh, you know that owning a home is, like, an, at least once a year, you are talking to someone who knows more than you about home maintenance. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. When's the last time you, like... <laughs> hydrolysized your argle burgle yeah well i've never at least 15 years because i've never heard of any of those things (laughs) yeah i did did not know that yes yeah we're learning all sorts of stuff about plumbing like yeah to the the point where like you know as i'm talking to like other friends about this you're like wait do i have that (laughs) (laughs) like like, i i don't know until a couple you know a couple days ago i didn't know about any of this stuff so uh this all of this home maintenance talk has a gaming related application Mm-hmm. albeit a tenuous one that I'm going to toss at you. Uh, so part of the experience of having any sort of um, repair or maintenance person come out to our house or a plumber or anything like that is that 
if they have to go into the basement, they see my game collection. Mm-hmm. And um, I have, I lay awake at night, like before the appointment with the plumber, <laughs> like just thinking in my head how it's going to go. Like, yeah. and so I'm just curious, uh, do you have like a quote game collection? Mm-hmm. And if so, like, where is it in your house? Like, do people see it? Uh, do they have to, you know, be ushered into the secret um, <laughs> inner sanctum uh, to see it? Uh, you got to pull the right book on the, you know, the library shelf. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is, it is scattered around. I do not have anything displayed in, in a nice way. Um, what I will say is, so one of the plumbers came in, we have, we have a record player and I have, I made a little like stand to sort of display the current record that we're listening to on there and without even like Ooh. thinking about it the last one that we've been listening to was this uh like <laughs> i don't know like i'm hesitating but also this is like you know it's a podcast about tabletop role hey this games. is a safe space so. i know i don't think it can get any nerdier nerdier than it is but i'm about to make it nerdier so okay. <laughs> it is a uh a, a record of covers of lo-fi covers <laughs> of final fantasy 7 <laughs> yes yes this is exactly what i hope to <laughs> yeah so <laughs> It didn't occur to me that, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not embarrassed by this. Like, it's a good record. Like, you know, go, go listen Why to it. Why would you be embarrassed no. about that, Chris? It's I, normal. It just, it, it invites it invites more questions that sometimes you don't want to answer those questions, right? Like, it's the same same reason you don't say, like, hi, I'm Andy. I play Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> to yeah. people. It's like, yeah, you gotta, gotta sort of suss it out. So, anyway, like, most most of the plumbers just sort of ignored it. But one guy came in and, like, he just, like, stopped in his tracks. Like, <laughs> and, like, stared at it for a second. And I could see, I could see like the gears turning. And I think like this is something that happens with like nerds, like I just mentioned. You like, you sort of don't know how deep you can go with people about like your, your nerdy thing (laughs) that you're interested in, right? Um, you know, it's one thing if you have like a PlayStation sitting out, right? But it's another thing if you have a, a covers of, (laughs) of a soundtrack. Yes. Um, yeah. So he stopped and he looked at it. He's like, Oh my goodness, like, what is this? And he, and like, so I, I told him, told him what it is. He's like, this is so cool. Like, I love that game. And he like told me specific, like, story beats from Final Fantasy oh, VII, man. like, enough to know, enough to like, sort of like, you know, make me understand that he knew exactly like what this game was and like what. Oh, <laughs> this moment. So we had this, like, you know, it was supposed to be this professional, like, you know, I'm the homeowner, you're the plumber relationship. And then all of a sudden we're talking about Final Fantasy VII <laughs> instead. <laughs> Yeah. I'm envious of you because in my years of home home ownership, that's never happened. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. You know, no one has ever been like, "Oh, you're into D and D and stuff." I always get these, you know, like grizzled, you know, Brooklyn accent, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, they've they've seen it all, like sort of people. Uh, and but yeah, my basement is kind of like the Indiana Jones warehouse, like of game stuff. You know, like off to your left, there's like champions third edition stuff on that shelf and down here and um mostly i just get kind of you know that like you know slightly concerned uh looks <laughs> but they very specifically don't ask me for any details or to elaborate in any way so, yeah they're like is uh, this is this is for your kids right <laughs> yeah 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 you know, that's the problem i mean as an adult a quote adult gamer you know the stuff is like a little too organized kind of mm-hmm. to really pass it off as like your kids and have your kids really <laughs> Invested in like thousands of dollars worth of like you know traveler source books, <laughs> you know prob- probably not. Like that that probably took a grown adult's income, didn't it? So yes, yeah, income uh, in poor decisions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So uh, anyway, so uh, all that to say, dear listeners, um, at any time the technician may you know 
uh, barge in. I given him permission to barge in on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't tell him I was recording a podcast, so that would mm-hmm. be embarrassing if he bursts in on us and, and we're here uh, <laughs> recording. But uh, but yes. So Chris, what have you been uh, reading or watching or doing that is kind of game mm-hmm. uh, game related or that is giving you ideas for GMing or gaming? Yeah, that is a good question. Um, so I am I'm still reading Lord of the Rings. Um, I just finished the Two Towers, hey, uh, which is yeah, which is it is like it's just so incredibly good. Like I think that if you're watching the movies, that's uh, Two Towers is usually sort of where I think a lot of rewatches sort of <laughs> start to wane. Yeah, <laughs> wane yeah. a little bit because it's like it's kind of boring. But like there is just so much excitement and fascinating stuff that happens. Just even at the end of Two Towers with with Sam sort of Sam versus Shelob, right. Um, it's just like this amazing deep scene with like all this like history and stuff built in about Shelob and like Sam being like the only person ever to, you know, to like get a hit in on Shelob and stuff. It's like, it's just this like such a cool scene. Um, and I found myself like, once I hit, like once I hit sort of like them going into the tunnel, like the tunnels, you know, Gollum yeah. leading to the tunnels. It's like, you can't put it down. Right? You can't put it down yeah. until the end of it. Um, yeah. It's just so good. And then uh, Return of the King just starts up and it's just like, it's just like pedal to the metal. Like everything is coming together. Everything's going wrong. Everything's going right. It's like, yeah, it's just an incredible book. And I'm, I'm trying to remember, cause I've always heard that like, you know, Tolkien wanted it to be in one big book and like his publisher mm-hmm. made it split up into three. Do you know, did he, did they actually publish them separately? Like, you know, like, or when it, when it came out, did all three of them come out at the same time? Or did you have to like wait a year in between? Here's my understanding. Um, please write in, spend us an, send us an angry tweet if this is incorrect. My understanding is that it was first published in three parts that Tolkien uh, had split it into six books, which you okay. can see as you read um, and that they grouped those in and released them as three. So I do not. So I, I mean, there's a, that, this famous, like, I don't know if it's true or not, but there's this famous story of like, you know, the phrase like Frodo lives appearing yeah. on like New York subways and stuff yeah. when the return of the King came out or something like that. Yeah. 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 It's, um, I don't know. Cause like, as I'm reading them, I just keep on thinking about that, like where I would, I would just be like livid. I think if I had to stop, <laughs> stop at two towers and wait, yeah. and wait, you know, wait a little bit. Cause it's just like, I mean, yeah, just, it just goes straight into return of the King. And there's just like such a payoff of all these little story beats in that. Um, I mean, it, it has me, you know, of course, like thinking about like games and running games and stuff and just like how, how to build in more of those, those like little bits of payoff and stuff. And I mean, I think unfortunately for me, part of that is like having a little bit more lore, <laughs> lore and stuff figured out beforehand. Right. Like just like the, like the backstory of like Shelob, right? Like, I mean, you just like, there's so much depth there to what amounts to in like another fantasy thing might just be like, you know, it's a big, scary spider, (laughs) right? Like Mm -hmm. big, scary spider in the tunnel. Right. But like, instead, like Tolkien manages to just in the handful of few pages, I mean, like you can tell that there's like a deep, deep history there too, um, that he's, yeah, he's drawing on drawing on for even like why why is this creature here like what's his motivations like all this all this stuff that yeah. uh, that goes into it you know and like sam of course doesn't know any of that right like he's just trying to defend his master <laughs> like yeah yeah and master and like the, the way that he he possibly can right and so like this this like heroic feat by him he doesn't even think about it in those terms because he doesn't know the history like he doesn't know any of that backstory it's just like yeah how do i you know how do i survive the next minute <laughs> the yeah. next minute of my life so yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that, but 
it it is the kind of the equivalent of like the GM that has all this backstory knowledge that the players interact with on almost only the most surface level. You know, Shelob's history goes back I don't know thousands of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're a child of Ungoliant or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. know, which is you're back in Silmarillion territory, and um, you know, it, it's Shelob's history. You know, there's a line that goes all the way back to like the creation of Middle Earth, yes. right? In yeah. the person, um, and and here is Sam coming along at this late hour, you know, having whatever a couple. It, it's like, is this their fight kind of stretch over a couple of days? Is that you know, uh, a, a, a brief span of time where he's yeah, like yeah. running from or tangling, tangling with this thing that, mm-hmm. yeah, it just looks like a big boss like you would find in any video game or any book or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's a part of the setting. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's it's even. I mean, I think, like, there's a lot of geography that ties into it, too, right? It's like this, you know, like, Sauron has sort of decided that this this tunnel, like, you know, over you know, like over the mountains and stuff is being protected by Shelob, so he doesn't have to worry about it either, right? So it's like, yeah. it's this, you know, like, so you have the big boss, you have the history, you have the geography, like, you have all these things going into, like, yeah, what amounts to, like, kind of like a, a yeah, a mini boss fight for Sam. Um, yeah, so it's, I don't know, it's just, it's fascinating, fascinating to think about and like yeah just such a cool scene and like it just you know like it kind of propels you forward i think into return of the king and then where it leaves off is sam trying to rush after the the orcs that have you know taken frodo's body and like he overhears them saying that yeah frodo <laughs> frodo is alive and like the the gates slam in front of him yeah just like oh okay like yeah no like now we jump back to the other <laughs> the other people <laughs> yes yeah so i mean yeah he's just like tolkien is just such a master at like these cliffhangers and I, it's funny to think about that because you don't think about that story as having cliffhangers but i mean it's every chapter has something amazing so we won't go on about talking too much longer but a real quick question for you mm-hmm. so it was there a scene in the two towers that was not in the movies that you thought was neat or memorable that's a good question. I mean, I think or that it is maybe was like not really fleshed out in the movies. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's this like yeah, the scene with like Sam Sam versus Shelob. There's a lot of like internal um, internal strife going on with Sam too, even after the fight about like should I stay or should I go? Mm-hmm. You know, should I leave Frodo's body? Like that sort of stuff. I think like shows Sam's character in a way that like the movie doesn't quite get across. Like it tries to yeah. tries to a bit. I mean, and like Sam like puts on the ring like yeah. right and like you can you can even tell like he's not going to be tempted by it like he's doing it because he's a bit frantic is that know? the sequence where he sees a vision of like the the shire like blooming and he's maybe this is in the earlier Church of the king where yeah. sam like sees this future where he takes the ring and he uses it to like make the world green again Oh um, no! Yeah, it's not not in there. Yeah, not okay. Yet. All so, right. Yeah. So yeah. well, we'll chat. Maybe we can chat about that when you hit it, or yeah. you can report to me that I invented mm-hmm. that in my head. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. But yeah, to, to jump off of um, Lord of the Rings for a minute. So like the other thing I've been thinking about a lot is uh, running a hex crawl oh, of yeah. some sort. Like, so I mean, I think we've chatted a little bit about the, the podcast, and then then elsewhere. Like, there's I've I've played in one hex crawl that Kyle Latino ran. Like, I mean almost 10 years ago <laughs> or so at this point, but like, yeah, so it was, it was a really fun experience. Like, and it's not the sort of gaming that I like typically would seek out, but something about it has really captured my imagination. So I'm trying to figure out if there's a way that I can, I can run that in sort of the schedule that I have, <laughs> have these days. So what is it about what is present in a heck in a hex crawl as you define mm-hmm. it? That's not present 
in a in a, just a, a regular D and D game. Yeah, I think for me, the thing that is present there is, um, I guess, like the really well defined like random tables. I guess is what I'm going at, and then mm-hmm. also a well defined map with like specific sections. So it's, <laughs> to me, like the way that I'm thinking about running it is like if you know, like a hex per hour of game time, hmm. you know, something like that, where it's like, it's this really discreet, like we, you know, like we have entered this hex, you know, we can kind of describe like what it looks like, what the sort of the main event is, you know, in there, in like kind of the entrance and the exit. Like, so to me, there's something that's really like, I don't know, it seems like the structure of, of a hex crawl, like drawn out along with the random tables could lend itself well to like a, a pretty fun time with uh, some like tight structure to it too mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm pretty interested in that. And then I think I also just like the idea of uh, doing more with geography and map making a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's not something that I typically think about that much. Um, yeah. When I'm, when I'm running games for better or for worse. Right. So like, yeah, for me, there's some challenges there too, that I think would be pretty fun. The last the last quote hex crawl I ran was, I think, uh, maybe two years ago at RFTCon. Mm-hmm. I ran Twilight 2000, and that's yeah. a hex crawl. Like, you have a literal hex map of, in this case, it was Poland, and you move into a new hex, and you, and there's random tables, but you it's also set up in that game that you can draw a card, and you draw a card, and it's like, there, whatever, there's, you encounter starving refugees and, uh, you know, a Soviet squad of, you know, of some sort, you know, and um it was really exhilarating and i wanted to re i've wanted to to uh delve more deeply into that style of game ever since i ran that Um, Mm -hmm. i in fact i hope later this year that i'll run twilight 2000 again specifically for that reason because it was like this is interesting Mm -hmm. i don't know exactly entirely how i feel about it but it is creating a different experience that is kind of neat so yeah yeah it's a, like, I think it's a style of game that is pretty intriguing to me. It's not something that I want, like, I'm not like, this is how I want to play games from, from here on out, but it's something that I want to explore too. Um, and Kyle, he also, Kyle Latino had, um, he runs the Map Crow YouTube channel. He had, uh, posted a video recently about like how to design your own, you, you design your own hex crawl too. And oh, I was like, yeah. oh, this is like more approachable than I thought it was. I uh-huh. guess. Yeah. He's, he's very good at breaking down concepts like that. Um, um, yeah, so that's enough about me. What about you? What have you been? Yeah, well, I guess the big gaming thing in my uh, life at the moment is uh, is prepping for a, a Band of Blades online campaign mm-hmm. that I hope to run about once a month um, for the next, I don't know, six or nine months. Yeah. Um, got a good group of players. And this is my second stab at Band of Blades. A couple of years say, ago, yeah. I, ran, uh, I ran another online game for a couple of months, and it it petered out just due to mostly to scheduling issues. I was a contributor to those scheduling issues, so I'm not <laughs> yeah. casting blame on anyone. But uh, I remember specifically, so it was interesting. So my, I, I knew I wanted to run a Band of Blades or something like that, that online this year. That was one of my kind of 20, 24 goals. And I was trying to think, you know, like how do you put up as many contingencies to guard against that, like, scheduling petering out that happens yeah Um, yeah and so i can't say i have a lot of great insights into that but um you know i just i looked back at the last game and i mean it was a blast i loved it i love those players i would i would kill to like run a game for those that group Mm -hmm. of players again Mm -hmm. and 
you know, some of the things I observed where we had enough players, but not enough that we could ever really have not enough that if some, if one person couldn't make it, it always put the game like right on the edge of like, eh. So I had four players, which is enough to run a great band of blades game, but three is, is starting to get into questionable territory. I think. What's the, what's the hardship of only having three? Is it like an action economy thing? The hardship of it is that it is, it is a, it is a, group in which you're making a lot of sort of collaborative group decisions Mm -hmm. and each player has a specific role like one person is the commander of the 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 group of pcs there and it's called the legion Mm -hmm. one person's the commander one person's the quartermaster one person's the lore master someone Mm -hmm. and they all have different roles and they make important decisions that kind of affects uh, it specifically has a big effect on like what are we going to do in our next game session. Oh, okay. So you can play with three people, like absolutely, but um, you can't do that a whole lot, I don't think, unless you have from the outset decided we're only going to have three people in this game. Gotcha. Yeah. If that makes sense. So <laughs> if you start with like, if you start with four roles you're you are losing something if you uh if one of those roles is not present Um, you know so i mean that's true i have five players in this game and you know none i don't i hope that no one ever is is unable to make a game session because their role will always bring something to the game but there's just a little bit more wiggle room when you have like five people then if you have four people then one person can't make it what if two people can't make it then yeah like ah you know, we really probably better cancel, but then it's going to be another month before we play again. You know, all these just very mundane, you know, you, know, you don't need to hear me going on tediously about the details, but it's just that challenge of like how this is going to be fun. It's going to take work and commitment on everyone's part. You know, like what can we do so that this um, is like the reward for the commitment that we put into this is really high. You never want it to be like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I want that enthusiasm to be there. I want this all to be excited about the next game thing, not like thinking, no, oh, well, I've got, I'm kind of busy or I've got this other thing, you know? Yeah, that's no, that makes a lot of sense. So like, it's, yeah, it's interesting to be strategic about like, yeah, the number of players. I mean, I think there's that, there's always that line of like, you don't want to have too many people, yeah. too many people there. Like, yeah, people stop having as much fun because they have to, you know, wait, wait their turn, <laughs> turn too often or the, the system just doesn't work. Right. And then like, yeah, too few people. And then it's like, well, should we really play, you know, at all? Yeah. Um, the, my understanding of band of blades is that you, you were like sort of working across a map, right? So like there is a defined end point to the game. Yeah. Like, so you mentioned six to nine months or whatever, right? Like, like you can't stretch this out to years and years. It's, it's there's sort of yeah. a defined end point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a game that has an endpoint. There's a little bit of variability in when the endpoint comes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the game says something like you're supposed to play it in about ten sessions. Okay. That maybe I would say maybe you know twelve or thirteen mm-hmm. sessions seems more plausible to me based on my the one campaign I ran of it. But yeah. it's in that vicinity, and yeah, yeah, you 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 as players can take actions to kind of speed the end up either by doing well you know 
uh, really effectively and quickly, or by doing so poorly that the bad, you know, that the game timer ticks down before you're uh, you're ready for it. So yeah, but yeah, that's one. Of, that's one of the appeals of it actually is that it isn't a we're going to play this until eventually enough of us can know, you know, kind of peter out. It's mm-hmm. a, it's more of a, can we, can we all stick together for 10 sessions to tell this story? And, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, I find that really compelling. Um, yeah. That is compelling. Did you, so I guess, tell me a little bit about your prep then. Your prep, like, okay, so you're running an online game in 2024. Presumably we've learned a handful of things in the past four years about how to run, <laughs> run a, a good game online. Like, yeah. So tell me about like some of that stuff, but then also like, what did you do for the story that you're telling? Like, is, is it open enough that you're kind of like improv in each session or do you have a, a master idea of where the plot's going? Yeah. Well, so there's a number of questions there. So like prep wise. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a game where there's some bookkeeping involved on the GM's part and on some of the player roles have, you know, someone has to maintain a list of like people that are in the Legion and keep it updated in between sessions. Right. And um, so part of it has been assembling. There's a lot of good, just player made cheat sheets and um, Kyle Latino. And the last time I played this made this great spreadsheet that I just copied, you know, for (laughs) uh, handling, keeping track of all the end of all your NPCs and stuff. And it's a pretty improv type of game. Um, mm-hmm. There's really no way that as GM, I could really chart out how I think it's going to go. It, we just have to see it, it, The players have an enormous amount of control to like, tell me what, what we want to do. Like, so band of blades is a game where like the setting, the setting details are really light in the book. It's really vague. Um, so um you have to fill you have to fill the gaps with stuff um if you want the setting to be interesting and uh at least at our kind of session zero i i tried to pitch to the group that like as we need to do this as a group because i i won't um you know if you're if we're in a forest area of the map and you want to sit down and come up like someone lives here who lives here like what mm-hmm. like is there an ally you might be able to recruit here is there an ancient legend about this area that you that you might want to dig into i can come up with some of that but i can't i can't uh can't come up with all of it so <laughs> yeah. i will be looking to the players to help me i mean to tell me like what's interesting to them about the part of the world that we're in mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know i don't know if that answered your question at all but it's pretty yeah. it's pretty improv yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like, I feel like that's, um, like, Blades in the Dark, right? Like, it yeah. has that same sort of feel to me of, like, you can have a rough idea of some places and stuff, but, like, you're really going to just be relying on, like, what 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 do the players gravitate towards and what do they want to say? I It does mean I'm recording, like, anytime a player in a private email to me or a direct message to me, you know, let's slip any sort of detail or interesting thing. You know, I, like, I'm pasting that into my... I'm tracking all that, you know, because yeah. it's all going to feed what I hope will be an experience that is gives everybody what they want. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. So, I mean, um, you've run one session. Did you run, is it, did you do a session zero where you just sort of like talking about stuff? It was just a person? session zero. We made characters and we talked through stuff. You have to make yeah. a bunch of group decisions okay. in Band of Blades before you actually start the campaign. Cause, so, like, Band of Blades, you, who are the villains you want to face? You pick those, mm. uh, you know, who's like the Gandalf figure that's accompanying you. You have a couple gotcha. of options. You talk about yeah. it and you pick it. And those all have 
those all uh, you know influence the vibe of the game you'll be playing right yeah so that's cool do you were you surprised by any other decisions I don't, I was not very surprised because it is my personal opinion that some of the options in Bando Blades are just inherently more interesting than others. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I won't, I mean, I won't go too deep in the weeds and stuff, but, um, but they, they, this group chose the same, you have to choose you, you, there's three bad guys. You have to pick two of them that you'll be up against. And then there's three kind of men, you know, mentor type figures and you have to pick one of them and mm-hmm. i think two of the bad guys are more interesting than the third and i think one of the good guys is a lot more interesting <laughs> than the other two and yeah i think my players agreed so yes uh, yeah. <laughs> that's great i mean that's actually probably a really good really good tell for like how good a group is gonna <laughs> gonna gel together yeah. when they're given a, de- a decision like that and like a reducer like oh well, yeah that's obviously the right choice <laughs> yeah yeah well i am interested i may talk to you in a future episode about this but you know so the PCs and Bandit Blades are accompanied by basically a sort of Gandalf E figure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a divine, like kind of a divine or a semi-divine kind of avatar of a god who doesn't doesn't go on like the adventures with you. Uh, mm. y- you know, they're off screen most of the time, um, but they, you know, but they're ostensibly this you know powerful counselor or advisor, and um, and to the extent they're ever like you know involved in an adventure they're probably doing something like gandalf holding off the balrog while the rest of the group gets away or something like that right like something that the group literally could not do yes okay so i um i am going to start picking your brain about like how tolkien uses gandalf throughout Mm -hmm. the trilogy because you know gandalf on paper you know he's a Maiar or whatever you know this powerful powerful Mm -hmm. figure um in the story, you know, but the story is not the very boring one that would happen if Gandalf just dealt with all the problems. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. He's, he's there doing something more interesting. And I want to, that, that works brilliantly in Lord of the Rings. And mm-hmm. I, I would love to a kind of figure out what Gandalf's role is in the story. And then how can I have that? How can I do something like that in an RPG thing where I don't have an NPC that's just like, Mm-hmm. Uh, that this clearly could solve the problems um, instead of the PCs, yeah. and I also don't want the MC and the wise counselor telling the PCs what to do, um, you know. But at the, yeah. I also don't want him to seem like a useless uh, NPC sitting off there that like has no power and no input or insight, right? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, we're right back to Lord of the Rings, but like I have been noticing that with Gandalf on this this read through is is like he he is very super powerful but like he can't do it all by himself and he often has to trust trust like he has to like trust a hobbit right to like say the right thing to the to the king right like to not you know to not piss off denethor too much right it's like you know so he has all these plans and machinations and stuff going on but like also he can't be the one to just convince yeah this other powerful figure in the world to do a thing it's got to be this other you know this other you know side character and he just has to sort of hope that his council has sort of guided them 
guiding them in the right way. And then on top of that, like everybody's always, always sort of pissed off at Gandalf because he is just leaving all the time. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, so like, everybody's like, I, I want to hang out with you, Gandalf. Like, where are you going? Like, and he's just like, he's gone and he's gone for a year or something like that. And then, then he comes back and he comes back, like telling you that like war is coming. And it's like, what, what, <laughs> yeah. like, what, like, why are you doing this? Yeah. So, I mean, if there's anything I would, I would say like, you know, yes, play that person, uh, play that, NPC as um, like wise and all knowing and stuff, but also just like an absolute chaos, <laughs> like agent of chaos as well. Hmm. Like, oh, right? Interesting. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of the, I hadn't really thought of this person being a vector through which like chaos would enter the PC's lives, but that's an interesting one. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's like, I mean, I think there is, there is an element of that um, in a Lord of the Rings, I think with all of sort of like with, with Aragorn and with, um, I mean, even in the hobbits and like Gandalf and stuff, it's like when they arrive, you are glad to see them. And also nervous about what that means that they have, hmm. <laughs> they have decided to show up to where you, where you are. Right. Cause like them showing up means that there is something that needs attention in that area. And like, if it needs attention, it's probably something that is beyond your capabilities. Interesting. You know, uh, I was Googling around a little bit because I know it's a, kind of principle of storytelling if you look at like you know if you break like cinematic storytelling down to its parts you know you often there is this um well-worn or very familiar role of like the advisor or the counselor you know Mm -hmm. at some point in the hero's journey they encounter a a a counselor or a wise person who kind of sets them on their path or or you know confronts them with some truth that they realize and they move on but Tolkien doesn't, Gandalf doesn't work exactly. Like, that's the Yoda thing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Luke goes to Yoda. um, You know, he's challenged by Yoda or whatever to make realizations about himself. And then he he goes off taking that wisdom with him. But Gandalf doesn't really work like that. Because Gandalf sometimes is just in, you know, it's like if Yoda was along in the Millennium Falcon for a lot of the trip, you know, sometimes (laughs) doing stuff and sometimes not. But uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, like, I think there is the few bits of advice like Gandalf really gives people like they really hold on to, but for the most part, he's just sort of like, you know, he's, he's alerting people of what's going on. Right. And then he's off to the sort of the next thing. Right. So it's like, he tells Frodo not to outright kill Gollum. Like, and Frodo doesn't understand that, but he accepts it as something that's important. And so he tries to, you know, like tries to do that, but like, there's, it's really, it's not like Gandalf is there, like reminding him, you know, every, every other page, like, Hey, don't kill Gollum. Cause it's gonna be really <laughs> important later. Right. It's like Gandalf looks at the situation and he's like, there's probably something else there. I don't know what it is. Like, here's some, here's a bit of advice, like take it or leave it. Right. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I think you, yeah. Like Yoda is like teaching, you know, teaching Luke exactly how to be like the perfect Jedi. Right. And like Gandalf's role is very much more of just like, you know, little bits of advice and really kind of hoping that he can steer, steer stuff his way. Cause like, I think there's a, there's a version of Lord of the Rings where everybody's like, like, shut up Gandalf, get out of here. Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't want, I don't want to hear it. And like, everybody gets overrun by Sauron. Right. But like, it's really like, I don't, I don't necessarily buy into the idea that they're like these great men in history that really drive stuff, you know, this way and that. But you can also see, you know, if you're writing from like kind of a more you know monarchy focused, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. setup like of history and stuff, I could see like it's it's very compelling to think about like there there's these people that just with the right sentence to the right other great person can really like you know change the course of a battle or change the course of course of history. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I think like the it's fun to think about those characters like playing 
a party full of five Gandalfs, I don't think would be very fun, <laughs> but playing like the, you know, five people that are like, that have managed to connect with Gandalf a little bit to be friendly enough with him to like have his ear now and then I think is really like, yeah, that's super compelling. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know how that goes. Um, Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize for just talking about Lord of the Rings for <laughs> most of the no, episode. No, no. This is yeah. this is great. Uh, yeah. Actually, I mean, so handling that, they're called the Chosen in um, Band of Blades, and so handling that has been something I've put a lot of, I put a lot of thought into. So this is helpful, helpful guidance, and I will be hitting you up for more as the, of course, the campaign yeah. goes on. So, so uh, my last question, and then we should wrap it up, is um, right. So, you know, is this a, is Band of Blades the sort of game where you could have have people kind of drop in now and then? Like, yeah, kind of like, yeah, people that just show up for a session and then leave because they, they're not going to go on with the, the Legion. Yeah, so, yes, it is. And I have thought very specifically about that in running this campaign. So, Band Blades is kind of, um, it is closer to, like, do you know what a troop-style role-playing game is? It's where mm-hmm. you don't, instead of you always playing one PC, it's you, the players are... are um, playing you may have a pool of characters like there may be a pool of 20 characters from which you are you in each game session you will play one or more than one depending on the needs of that adventure so i think like ours magica is is a is like an example of a game like this where you're not always playing the same pc you're playing whichever pc from your group is you know most relevant to whatever the story is at the moment Hmm. Blades is kind of like that um in that uh, you won't always be playing, quote, your PC, although you will have a PC that is kind of mostly yours. Yeah. Um, it also, but that it it lends itself well, like in almost every mission or adventure in Band of Blades, you're accompanied by like a squad of, their, the game calls them rookies, like they're mm. like red, red shirt, ensign, yeah. <laughs> red-shirted ensigns, uh, who... I mean, if they're if they're lucky and they do well, they might evolve into full PCs, or they may just die, like the, you know the ensign beam down onto the planet with with yeah. Kirk. So that lends itself really well, and I have at least two people who have expressed interest in like, hey, I can't commit to the campaign, but like, I would be willing to come in and play an ensign yeah. sometime if you need. Yeah. So that like, so I feel really good about that. I, I I feel really good not only about like the enthusiasm level of my players, but about knowing that we've got some backup when inevitably for very good reasons, somebody or maybe a couple somebody's can't make a game. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right, well let's, let's wrap it up there. So, yep. uh, yeah, this has been roll for topic. Um, you can go listen to our sister show, the splat book at, um, the splatbook.com. Um, that's with John, uh, John Corey and Kyle Latino. And, uh, they have just published an actual play of Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition where they're playing the Lord of the Rings, um, version of, of 5e, um, on air. I think Kyle's the, the, the DM for that. Um, yeah. So I listened to a little bit. Of it. it sounds really awesome. I know they're going to do another episode of that too. So yeah, go check them out. It's, uh, really, really fun that they're, they're diving into that. What a fun surprise, by the way, that those guys wound up playing the 5e. I, version of Lord, like what a, I know what a it's, fun surprise. yeah yeah <laughs> surprise yeah they're <laughs> those right. hypocrites <laughs> well I hear yeah. the I hear like thumps and thuds of the technician approaching so all right let's so let's sign yeah up. okay all right okay. well I've been Chris Osmond I've been Andy Rowe remember if your players are having fun you're a great GM